wrestling fans, how you doing? You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. You're listening to WrestleRant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews here to bring you the front to NWWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. Graham, a pleasure as always. We are one week away from living life in the fast lane, a raw branded WWE Network exclusive with a blockbuster lineup, including a universal championship match between Goldberg and current champion Kevin Owens. So much turmoil surrounds the lives of both Goldberg and the champ KO. Graham, where do we begin? I think you got to start with, as you said, Goldberg and Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. If you told me two weeks ago, if you asked me what the outcome of that match would be next Sunday, I would have easily told you Goldberg is walking out the new Universal Champion. And I still feel that way. We'll get to our predictions next week, obviously. But I feel like the game has changed. After what happened on Monday night with Kevin Owens, showing a new side that we have not seen, maybe not ever, but at least since his NXT days two, three years ago, it's frightening to see this new side of Kevin Owens, an aggressive, focused, determined prize fighter, and in, in sending his message to not only Chris Jericho, but the rest of the Raw roster, specifically Goldberg come next Sunday, and also demolishing Sami Zayn later on in the night. Kevin Owens was one to watch this past week in WWE. Oh, absolutely, and Goldberg equally one to watch, and keep in mind some of the things that Goldberg has essentially started to promise some of the fans out there, that this is, you know, he's got this title, this championship run in his sights, and Kevin Owens... Uh, doesn't seem to be too bothered by that, especially with all of his interactions with Chris Jericho of late, completely ending his friendship with Chris Jericho, and thus ending any line of support that he could possibly get against a competitor like Goldberg. Do you think Kevin Owens is taking Goldberg for granted because he wants to think that his age is going to slow him down? What do you think are the factors that Kevin Owens is, is, is running through his head about how he's going to approach Goldberg at Fastlane? I think there's a method to the madness. I think in eliminating the factor of Chris Jericho that, of course, he won't have that help from Y2J come next Sunday, but at the same time, he might have assistance from Triple H and Samoa Joe. As we saw on Monday night, Samoa Joe kind of subtly helping Kevin Owens in his assault on Sami Zayn, quickly, you know, making quick work of Sami Zayn in their matchup. So kind of trimming the fat of Chris Jericho, who was not seen on Monday night, but now he has a new ally in Triple H and Samoa Joe. No, absolutely true. And one has to ask the question of whether or not Kevin Owens is going to even last in the ring long enough for someone to even have a chance to interfere. What do you think the chances are that Goldberg is going to completely level Kevin Owens and what possible solutions does Kevin Owens have to last longer than Brock Lesnar in the ring? I mean, Goldberg, I'd rather Brock Lesnar is a freak of nature. And the fact that he fell to Goldberg in less than two minutes is just astonishing to me, even all these months later. But Kevin Owens said himself on Monday night that Brock Lesnar was underestimating Goldberg at Survivor Series and even at the Royal Rumble. Kevin Owens is not that guy. He knows what Goldberg is capable of, even at 50 years old. And as I had said, Kevin Owens has undergone this complete change of character in the past couple of weeks. And if we see that Kevin Owens at Fastlane, there might be a decent chance he walks out with the title intact. Well, and we saw uh, as well this week, we saw Brock Lesnar address his upcoming match at WrestleMania against Goldberg. So uh, regardless of the outcome of this Universal Championship match at Fastlane coming up next week, he, the Beast is already focused, laser focused on WrestleMania and what he needs to do to beat 
Goldberg. Now, do you think that forward approach, that that head-to-head approach, just doesn't seem to work with Goldberg? You look at Goldberg's entire career, going all the way back to WCW, anyone that took him on headstrong right away did not do well. Who was the one competitor that made a fool of Bill Goldberg in the ring? Chris Jericho? Not, well, Chris Jericho. In WCW a little bit. In WCW a little bit. WCW... William Regal made a complete and total fool out of Bill Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he didn't approach him headstrong. Mm -hmm. William Regal went for a tactical approach, one that Goldberg was not prepared for. And clearly it showed. Now, Goldberg got a victory out of that match anyway, so he's he's intuitive enough to come up with a win in any scenario, right? But I think that if you look at his career... His weaknesses are in his preparation. He's 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 the kind of man that sm- smashes his head against a door and walks out and breathes in all sorts of toxic smoke and, and, and breathes it like a dragon, right? This this is a guy that wants a head-on confrontation. Kevin Owens has not, to this point, proven himself as a competitor that's going to ever do that. He would rather roll out of the ring and make you wait for him to find that opportunity. So I think that we're going to see a... Longer match no matter what because, if anything, Kevin Owens will take that breather, will take that space between the ring. Do you think that that is going to make an impact on how the Beast prepares or does Brock Lesnar not care about anyone but Brock Lesnar? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Brock Lesnar has made it very clear in the past. The only person he cares about is himself. He doesn't give a crap about your kids. He has said that himself on occasion on Monday Night Raw. But, I mean, Brock Lesnar has time to prepare. WrestleMania is five to six weeks away. And he has that match with Goldberg in the back of his mind. Right now, he's focused. He's got his sights set on Fastlane. He might not be in action at the pay-per-view. But either way, it's a win-win. He gets his hands on Goldberg no matter what. Adding a cherry on top of it all, if Goldberg can come out on top and win that championship, he has an added motivation for coming out on top. Previously, it was just simply doing away with the the but you know the what ifs with Goldberg and kind of eliminating that factor of you know Goldberg is the only one who holds a victory over me that I have yet to you know get back. Uh, but now he can win back that championship in the process. That that title has always eluded Brock Lesnar ever since he lost it two years ago at WrestleMania 31. He hasn't really been in much of a rush to get it back. But beating his enemy for his arch enemy in Goldberg might be a bit of uh, kind of adding some sweetness to it. it. It would add a little bit of sweetness to it. However, it is the Universal Championship, a relatively new championship title belt. Certainly can't mean as much to Brock Lesnar, a prize-fighting champion, as the actual WWE championship belt would. So, I feel like this would be more of a case of Brock Lesnar wanting to take away something from Bill Goldberg and humiliate him and strip him of that belt in front of his family, in front of the world, and make a point that, I guess, Brock Lesnar eventually can get the better of you. Um, We'll see. I mean, it'll have to be a definitive statement. It would have to be something... uh, uh, so definitive that it would look like the Patriots beating the Falcons. That type of thing is what Brock Lesnar needs to do at WrestleMania. But what does Roman Reigns need to do at Wrestle at Fastlane to beat Braun Strowman? These two have been going head to head fiercely for the last couple of weeks, and while. Roman Reigns has been a little bit more than distracted by the club and facing two-on-one odds and and constant beratement from the club. Braun Strowman has been his focus. Um, We'll get to a a huge match that Braun Strowman had this week, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Graham, on how does Roman Reigns look going into Fastlane? And then beyond that, what does the WrestleMania landscape look for Roman Reigns? Look for, yeah. 
Well, I mean, in, in beating the club on Monday night, or actually he lost via disqualification. That aside for a moment, I know we talked very uh, deeply about the tag team division with Tom, with Tim rather, a couple weeks back um, here on the show, and it just continues to boggle my mind as to how they continue to really just undervalue their tag teams on both Raw and SmackDown. But in regards to the main event scene with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, I am absolutely loving what they're doing with these two right now because Braun Strowman is unlike anyone that Roman Reigns has faced and encountered to this point. Uh, and that Roman Reigns has conquered everyone that has stepped up to challenge him, from Brock Lesnar to Bray Wyatt to Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. He has beaten them all. Braun Strowman, he has yet to beat one-on-one, but not even that. In every encounter they've had on Raw up to date, up to this point, that he has not gotten the better of him. Braun Strowman has knocked him down at every single turn, which makes this match all the more compelling for me going into WrestleMania, where we really don't know what the future holds for Roman Reigns. Well, and let, now let's talk about Braun Strowman for a second here. Now, Braun Strowman was the main event feature for this week, this past week on Monday Night Raw, where he took on the big show, uh, boasting almost 700 pounds in the ring at one time. The ring needed to be fortified in order to accommodate the match, and it was nothing short of two giants. It was like watching Godzilla fight Megalon or something like that. It was, it was colossal to see these two in the ring, and it wasn't just the fact that they are two gigantically savage men in the ring battling against each other. It's that Big Show hits hard, and Braun Strowman was way faster than I think anybody had anticipated or we've really seen him uh, uh, out of him yet. And it was a competitor like the Big Show that I think that Braun Strowman felt like he could finally take the gloves off. He could actually you know, move the way he needed to move without even thought that he could hurt somebody. Now that that cat's out of the bag, do you think Roman Reigns has no sh- chance in hell here going into Fastlane? He, he went up against the big show and, and demolished him. So I mean, Yeah, no, he, he's got it. He's got a chance, but not a good of a chance. Like I said, it, had you asked me two weeks ago in regards to Goldberg and Owens, I would have said the same thing about Reigns and Strowman. Reigns would have done away with Strowman with ease. But after what we saw in the last couple weeks, specifically Monday night, in that match that way exceeded my expectations between Strowman and the Big Show. Uh, Strowman even doing a kip-up. We were talking about that the other day. Just incredible. Huge pop. I couldn't believe to see a man of his size <laughs> yeah. and edge to do a kip-up right in the face of the Big Show. And it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a kip-up in a cleared spot without the Big Show nearby. It was a transition into another move. You know, I think it was a back arm lock or something yeah. like that. And unbelievable to see that kind of flexibility out of him. That's what's my first thought upon seeing that was Roman Reigns is done for. There is no way he doesn't get run over. It would take a very big set of complete missteps on the part of Braun Strowman to drop the ball here going into fast lane. And I think Strowman needs this win way more than Roman Reigns does. Roman Reigns is out here for petty vengeance, for, you know, uh, just butting heads with another big man that's going after the Universal Belt. And that's what Roman Reigns wants. That's what these both of these guys really want. And I think that's really the only reason that they have contention against each other. Braun Strowman doesn't tend to bother people that aren't really in his way. And clearly Roman Reigns is in his way. And I expect him to get steamrolled here uh, coming up next week. So that was really incredible to see two giants of the WWE in the ring, true heavyweights battling it out uh, in the center of the ring. More of that, I hope, to come as we head into WrestleMania. But let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, go back to your comments uh, and and reiterate a couple of ours from last week's show. We're talking about 
tag teams in WWE wrestling. Now, uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass got a big defeat this week over uh, Cesaro and Sheamus to become the number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team Championship. And that's going to see them be put against Gallows and Anderson. Um, what do you think about that match being at Fastlane versus WrestleMania? Do you think that Enzo and Cass are really ready for this? Um, and it, it was somewhat unfortunate to see Cesaro and Sheamus finally come together as a team and uh, to see Enzo and Cass basically slight them out of these opportunities and set this stuff up in motion. I feel like Enzo and Cass have the ear of Mick Foley. They must to set this type of uh, opportunity up when I feel like Cesaro and Sheamus have more than earned that number one contendership spot, especially considering the interference from uh, uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Feels like they're being rewarded. How's it feel to you? Yeah, I mean, they remain a cohesive unit no matter what. I mean, after the match, even after their loss, Cesaro and Sheamus were on the same page when Sheamus received the thank you Sheamus chant after bro-kicking Enzo Amore, which was interesting. Um, But the status, the overall landscape of the tag team division on Monday Night Raw right now is interesting, and it's it's in a confusing state going into WrestleMania, and I would say, you know, the, the tag team titles have eluded Enzo and Cass, not only in the main roster since arriving at Raw 11 months ago, but also in NXT, they have yet to hold tag team gold, so I would say, you know, we should hold off until WrestleMania until we finally see their crowning achievement in becoming tag team champions, but we've already seen in the past, literally two weeks alone, with both Bailey and Naomi getting their long-deserved wins in, in the form of championship gold at Elimination Chamber and on Raw, respectively, so... It's really not out of that ordinary for, for Enzo and Cass to win the belts next Sunday. So there's definitely a chance there. I mean, to see them going into WrestleMania holding those titles, um, certainly their hype factor is going to be off the charts. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that that is already what they're envisioning. But I absolutely believe that the club is going to squash the, that nerd idea out of their heads um, and I'm not always uh, in favor of seeing the club get one over on anybody but in this instance I truly believe Cesaro and Sheamus have been wronged here not only wronged by uh, a very selfish Enzo Amore and Big Cass um, but I think they've been wronged by management to put them in a position where now Enzo and Cass have been rewarded, got one over on Cesaro and Sheamus, and are now going to be at Fastlane, potentially being champions going into WrestleMania. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus certainly deserved much better than that. So we will see where Cesaro and Sheamus end up in the mix going into either Fastlane or into WrestleMania because there is no way that the two of them are going to stay complacent in that. Other non-complacency running rampant in the cruiserweight division uh, very, very pointed words from the Brian Kendrick uh, at Akira Tozawa, um, who wants nothing to do with Brian Kendrick's alleged help, mentoring, anything like that. Meanwhile, the fast lane uh, 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 match on the card is for the cruiserweights sees current champion Neville versus Jack Gallagher, uh, the gentleman Jack Gallagher versus the king of the cruiserweights, Neville. Um, Brian Kendrick seems to be causing up his own storm um doesn't seem to bother uh king neville much at all what do you make of the the brewing tension between brian kendrick akira tozawa and what's the competition looking like in 205 live are we going to start seeing some some new stars make an impact and go for that belt against neville certainly jack gallagher is uh in a league of his own 
or a gentleman league of his own. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Graham? Well, no, absolutely. I feel like I, I'm thoroughly enjoying the cruiserweight division right now. I know we sat here in these chairs on the show many months ago talking about the various six-man tag team matches in this division, all the meaningless matches, but they're finally finding direction with a lot of these guys. I am really loving the Tozawa and Kendrick feud right now. I'm a big Tozawa fan. I'm really starting to like what he's doing. The Kill Bill theme song, the parody theme song that he has of Kill Bill is friggin' great. Um, he's awesome. So I'm loving the mentor, you know, mentality that Kendrick has over Tozawa and how he kind of got one over on him on 205 Live this past week. In their respective matchup, I'm sure we might see them clash at Fastlane as well in a rematch. And with Neville and Gallagher, Gallagher's building momentum following his feud with uh, Aria Daivari, which was, in my opinion, exceeded expectations. Got a big win over him in an I-forfeit match a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, 205 Live's really coming around. You have Graham Metallic, who just debuted a couple weeks ago. And also, you have yet to watch 205 Live, correct? Oh, no. No, I'm up. You have seen yes. it. Okay, then you would know that Austin Aries is on his way back as well, which I was very excited to see on Tuesday night. So things are looking up for 205 Live right now. Yeah, long journey for Austin Aries. Um, you know, and But he's much like the macho man could not drag himself away for a single second and found and made sure that he was inserted into the very fabric of the WWE. We will be seeing so much out of Austin Aries because of that lone defiance. He's got a huge rising potential in the WWE. Be on the lookout for what Austin Aries does next. Uh, speaking of uh, meteoric rises, uh, Bailey, the current Raw Women's Champion, uh, was confronted this past week uh, by Stephanie McMahon, uh, who was asking something very simple, uh, very, very um, uh, pandering of Bailey. She wanted Bailey to relinquish the WWE Raw Women's Championship. I was, I, I was captivated the whole time and convinced 100% that Bailey was going to feel enough pressure uh, competitively that she needed to get that clean victory in order to feel like a true and proper champion. I was, however, completely shocked when she turned down that mentality like a, turning off a switch. Graham, how did you feel about that whole segment? Did, did you have any doubt at any point that she was going to keep the belt or relinquish it? Absolutely. I mean, knowing Bailey, she wants to do everything her way. She won that belt cleanly in clean fashion in Brooklyn many years ago at TakeOver Brooklyn 1. So the fact that her first premier women's championship victory on Monday Night Raw came in the fashion that it did, tainted slightly via the interference from Sasha Banks, who was simply counteracting the interference of Dana Brooke. Um, I understand that. I understand where she's coming from. But knowing Bailey's character, knowing who she is and what she stands for, I did have doubt. I'm thinking, oh, no, she's going to give up the belt. In her hometown, no less, either. In her home state of California. So that was really cool as well. The crowd was solidly behind her. And in the exact, you know, 180, the very next night when Naomi did, was forced to relinquish her SmackDown Women's Championship. So two very similar segments that accomplished two different things. But yeah, in terms of Bailey, now we have her and Charlotte set for Fastlane. Charlotte continues to come up short when it matters most on Raw, yet she conquers the championship. She captures the title on pay-per-view, the queen of pay-per-view, as she calls herself. So the Raw Women's Championship, a lot of interesting stories right now. Sasha Banks rekindling her rivalry with Charlotte on Monday night. So a lot of different intertwining stories right now with the Raw Women's division. Now, you take all that competition, you take all the matches we just discussed, <clears throat> all of the bitter feuds and, and bent feelings across the board 
And then we turn our focus to something a little bit brighter, something a little bit sweeter. Uh, and I am referring to the New Day. And they are currently butting heads with Rusev and Jinder Mahal. This has been something that has uh, been a constant head-butting back and forth uh, over a number of months and, and maybe even some years in between of just butting heads with Rusev in general. But the New Day are on this ice cream bent. They seem quite distracted these days. They seem very content to be resting on their laurels. They're the longest reigning tag team champions. They'll remind you every time that they are. They are uh, pitching some type of secret concocted ice cream made out of dreams and unicorns <laughs> and cry tears or whatever. And uh, uh, they seem generally distracted by all of these would-be plans. Meanwhile, Rusev and Jinder Mahal seem really bent on on hurting people, especially people that they feel completely no connection to. And that's usually Americans. Um, uh, so the two of them have have their sights now set on the New Day, which is such a, a shiny you know bullseye on, on all of them. What do you make of this? They're not going to be appearing at Fastlane. We only know that the New Day are going to be hosting WrestleMania. But no match has even been remotely discussed uh, to involve them. Uh, are we going to see the New Day become more spokespeople? I mean, less of a tag team for sure, uh, even though they were they defeated Ru- Rusev and Jinder Mahal this week. Graham, what were your takeaways? What did you see in the New Day? Are, are they distracted? I think it's odd right now just because they came up short in regaining the gold a couple months back and losing to Cesaro and Sheamus on Raw. And that was it. Their pursuit of the Raw tag team title just kind of stopped there. They didn't go back after the belts. They focused on their ice cream instead and feuding with Bo Dallas and Rusev and Jinder Mahal. And that was about it. And now that now we know, as you had said, uh, they will be hosting WrestleMania in early April, which is a great coup for them. I mean, uh, the same spot that was held once by The Rock, by Hulk Hogan. So... It's a big, prominent role, maybe even more so than being involved in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But that kind of answers the question, I guess, of whether we might get another multi-team uh, tag team title match at WrestleMania that will not be involving the New Day. They could very well go for the belts and host the show as well. We don't really know yet, but I-, I would indeed say they are distracted right now. And I would assume my belief is that they're simply just kind of spinning their wheels at the moment until the next WWE draft comes around. And I think it's very, very likely the New Day will be split up in the draft in some form or fashion with Biggie going to SmackDown or the other way around. So I guess only time will tell. This this is a an interesting scenario present that the New Day could potentially get broken up. They've been through this once before. They survived it. We'll see if they continue to survive. But they certainly don't seem to have that competitive spark to continue to claw and become not just the longest reigning champions, not just your two-time champions, but your multi-time, your dynasty championship collection, the New Day. They need to push that boundary if they want to stay the at that prestigious top level in the tiers of, of history for the tag team division. And that goes right back to what we've been talking about here with tag team wrestling in the WWE. Is it just shoehorned in? Are or are these competitors finding complacency in the fact that they're not getting that prominent center stage kind of push? Time will tell. Exactly right. Time will tell. What well, we have an exciting side of things going on on Raw, but on SmackDown Live, things are on fire. A lot of hard emotions being dealt with on Raw right uh, on SmackDown Live right now. Um, I think top news has to be a quick discussion about the state of Naomi and the WWE SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Um, we saw on Tuesday this week on SmackDown Live 
that Naomi uh, uh, was confronted by Daniel Bryan. And uh, you could just see on his face the direction that this conversation was going to be going, especially since we're used to seeing a very colorful and uh, athletically energized uh, entrance from Naomi, watching her walk out with a title on her shoulder uh, and a knee brace on her knee uh, was a tough sight to see. And the reality that Orlando, her hometown, where she was headed with the SmackDown Women's Championship around her waist is potentially no longer something that will be part of her history. That's got to that's, that's gotta be the hardest, most devastating part that WrestleMania just happens to be in her hometown and Naomi just happens to be the best women's wrestler right now on the shelf. Graham, what were you, what were, how, how did you feel about watching that whole process go down? I was I was just as heartbroken watching it, I'm sure, as Naomi was vacating that champion just because I've followed her journey from NXT through the Funkadactyl phase to Team Bad to where she is right now. Just the evolution of the Naomi character has been so fun to follow. And to see her lose that championship or vacate and give up that gold on Tuesday to Daniel Bryan really was heartbreaking to watch. But you said yourself the key word there is potentially. We still have five to six weeks until WrestleMania I believe she had said on her Instagram or whatever this past week that the injury could have been far worse. We still have no timetable. I still have no idea what the injury might be. I heard it was a, a knee injury, but that's just about it. No specifics as of now anyway. Um, but really where there is uh, an injury, there is an opportunity. And Alexa Bliss did just that and, and then taking back that gold in her subsequent match against Becky Lynch and now the first ever two-time SmackDown Women's Champion. Now, Be- uh, Becky Lynch obviously um, took a an illegal shot to the neck. I mean, uh, Alexa Bliss targeted Becky Lynch's throat, uh, two fists to the throat. The ref was distracted with the ring apron and we have a new SmackDown women's champion, just like that. And it, it was, it was, it had to have been the hardest walk backstage imaginable for Naomi because not even Daniel Bryan had any kind of, you know, there was a whole, there was weeks in between that championship changing to new hands. This happened in an instant. She walked out, champion, she walked backstage, and a new champion walked right back behind her. That has got to be just swimming in Naomi's head right now. But let's think about Becky Lynch. This is the how manyth time that she has been uh, booted from an opportunity because of foul play. Are the referees doing their job? Are they pay atten- paying attention to the right factors in the ring? I mean, I know a, an official WWE rule book is in the works to be released soon. I think it's out right now. It could be out right now. Um, I know it was I know it was being uh, hyped. It was alluded to on yeah. Talking Smack. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talked about. And maybe that's something that we should all be taking a look at because I truly want to know. I mean, are these referees actually paying attention to the highest priority do they really need to be fixing the ring apron with having 15 people, including staff and faculty all around them at all times who can easily jump in and make sure that that ring is, is, is safe and secure for all the performers. I mean, I really, I really have to fault the officials here. You know, I think they have wronged Becky Lynch on more than one occasion. And this one was over nothing. That ring apron wasn't going to make any kind of impact in this match. And someone else clearly could have grabbed it. 
So what are the officials doing? Is this an inside work of any kind? It doesn't feel like management would want the match to go this way, but the belt is back in Alexa Bliss's hands. Becky Lynch got caught off guard. It certainly wasn't anything that prevented her from then attacking Mickey James, who came out to attack what appeared to be a wounded Becky Lynch. But Becky Lynch seemed pretty good to go. I'm surprised she didn't kick out at two there. What did you? Th- how do you feel about Becky Lynch, and especially her her feud and ongoing turmoil with? Um, Mickey James. Quite honestly, I gotta put the blame on Becky Lynch. I mean, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I mean, it's happened not shame, not fool me twice. Fool me how many times? As you had said, this has happened so many times with Becky Lynch, uh, with the ongoing renewing rivalry with Alexa Bliss over that SmackDown Women's Championship. Just time and time again, she comes up short. I would have blamed the officials the first time around for not seeing her cheating a couple months ago when they first faced off for that SmackDown Women's Championship, but she keeps on falling victim to the same games that Alexa Bliss is playing in the middle of that ring. And um, she's not going to play those same games with Mickey James. The seasoned veteran, every single Tuesday, they're going at it. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time before we see that feud culminate in a similar match as we saw on Tuesday, either it be Falls Count Anywhere, Last Woman Standing, which would be great to see. Um, But either way, I'm really liking the three-way turmoil we're seeing right now between Becky Lynch, Mickey James, and Alexa Bliss. Mickey James has really gotten the, um, with the exception of last week, Becky Lynch has gotten the better of Mickey James in almost every single turn. At what point will that aggression turn to Alexa Bliss for not being at Mickey James' side when she needs her most? Will that turn to her winding the championship at some point is my question? It's a very Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho relationship between Alexa Bliss and Mickey James where I think it's a wink and a nod kind of relationship. I think they're both willing to, they see that fiery competitiveness similarity between the two of them. And Mickey James just doesn't quite have her eyes set on that belt just yet. I think she wants to prove some things to herself. And I think beating Becky Lynch to within an inch of her life is going to prove that Mickey James to herself has what it takes to go after the belt. And I think at that point she would like steamroll over Alexa Bliss because Mickey James has seen those tricks, has pulled those tricks, knows everything that Alexa Bliss could possibly do because she's still a green wrestler at the end of the day and Mickey James has seen it all. So I think, you know, there's a, a very uh a subtle brewing of tension there in the background, and Alexa Bliss has to know that as much of a front as she can put on, she's also got a target on her back. So this is going to be interesting to see. Um, but speaking of targets um, and uh, two two very fierce competitors that have been at each other's throats, we saw Natalia and Nikki Bella uh, compete in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Now, you and I were discussing offline that um, uh, we, we kind of had uh, different takes on how this match went down, uh, what each of these different wrestlers' strengths are and where they fall. I'm really curious to hear, before I give any of my opinion, uh, Natalia defeated Nikki Bella in the end. Talk about that defeat. Talk about what you saw in that match. Uh, how did How did Nikki Bella not come out with a win here? I mean, again, it really goes to just how this feud, for a feud that really was not all that interested in initially between two women who have been here, honestly, for nine years, not collectively. Both of them have been here since around 2007, 2008, yet they've really reinvigorated their respective characters with this feud. In terms of the match itself, I thought it was really something 
maybe not out of the ordinary because we've been seeing more of these matches from the women. We've seen them in the main event in a steel cage on SmackDown. We've seen them in Falls Count Anywhere, Iron Woman, Hell in the Cell, and both Raw and SmackDown alike. So I enjoyed the effort they put forth in this matchup, despite, you know, despite their respective strengths in the ring. And I like the fact they took the fight all around the arena, kind of playing to the strengths of the Falls Count Anywhere matchup. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a really enjoyable match, by and large, kind of planting the seeds for that mixed tag team rumored match for WrestleMania between Miz and Maurice, John Cena, and Nikki Bella. Um, but definitely, in my opinion, one of the better Nikki Bella matches I've probably ever seen in her illustrious career, dating back from 2008 to present day. Both women here, I thought, put forth a really, really good effort. And uh, I I'm interested to see where this kind of sets us forward going forward. And also this, I wanted to, I mentioned this too. They talked about on Talking Smack. They took up an hour and a half of TV time on Tuesday night. From the Naomi announcement, as we talked about, to Bliss and, Mecky, uh, Bliss and uh, Becky Lynch, excuse me. To this match, they took up an hour and a half of TV time on Tuesday, which just blows my mind, and I'm super happy to see that. Uh, also, they deserved it. Those matches were were very well uh, thought through on both competitors' sides. Uh, I, I, I think where you and I differ in uh, our appreciation for this match is not that I, I thought there was anything particularly wrong with it. I think that both Nikki, Belly and, Nikki Bella and Natalia, their strengths are within those four posts inside that squared circle. For me, if they really want to bury this, if they really want to see which competitor is the better competitor, then I think it needs to be a clean one, two, three in the middle of that ring with no outside interference, with no cheap shots, with no cheap tricks. And Natalia certainly has the background to do it. And Nikki Bella has been training her whole life to have the background to beat someone like Natalia. I would like to see the true competition come out of them. I was expecting... Nikki Bella to go further than we've seen her go in this false count anywhere match and really put something on Natalia that's definitive definitively says stay the hell away from me for good she didn't do that she was beaten Nikki Bella is going to maybe brush herself off and walk away but I guarantee you that the taunting that we are going to see from Natalia in the gloating over Nikki Bella is going to get this thing red hot so fast that we will likely see them competing at WrestleMania. We have to. I, I can't imagine that these two are going to settle this and this is over now for them. But we will see. Um, and uh, changing uh, directions here a little bit coming out of this uh, Falls Count Anywhere match, we saw a, little, a, a more traditional match, uh, a, a tag team uh, match between American Alpha and Brizongo. However, it wasn't a very long match. And I really don't believe that Brizongo did particularly anything wrong to deserve this. I just think that American Alpha um, has a really thoughtful two-person tag team approach. And it's not that Brizongo aren't a cohesive unit. I think that they just don't have that rapid-fire man-in, man-out kind of approach to these things. I think they're a little bit more methodical than that. And I think that their game plan didn't pan out here. Um, American Alpha, you know, uh, still reigning champions. It's, it is disappointing, though, to see that Brizongo couldn't come up with a longer match or a win to solidify them as a rival tag team and someone to be threatened by. How do you feel about Brizongo coming out of this defeat? 
I mean, as I had told you last week, I think Brazongo is, in my honest opinion, one of, if not the most underrated and underutilized acts in the entire company. Not only on Raw or SmackDown or even NXT, I'm talking the entire company here. These are two guys who are tremendous athletes. And as we talked about with Tim, you know, here on the show last week, their segments are thoroughly entertaining. I don't think they showed it on the show itself on Tuesday, but they aired a little brief clip of the two teams interacting before SmackDown backstage that set up the match that we saw on Tuesday. I don't think that might have been alluded to, but I know I didn't see the footage on SmackDown. I saw it on YouTube after the fact, and they were just so entertaining together. I really do think we can have a strong series of matches between American Alpha and Brazongo um, at some point down the line. It's great the Usos are getting an opportunity. I thought they hit it out of the park with their Briscoes-esque promo on Tuesday. I really, really enjoyed that. But in terms of Brazongo, I think we, I mean, goes without saying, we have yet to see the best from these guys, and I hope they get the opportunity to shine in the near future. I mean, it's just sad that, you know, a, a, a mentality, a presentation, and, a char- and the two characters that Brazongo really are, are, are viewed as weak because of their kind of ostentatiousness, right? But the Usos come out, and, and instead of wearing face paint, they're wearing hoodies and 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 really, you know, using some very vicious uh, talk towards American Alpha, and they're viewed as strong. I think there's, there's, there's a real discrepancy between strength among tag teams, and what makes a tag team strong has nothing to do with your presentation. It has everything to do with your execution in the ring. And I think Brizongo, uh, Tyler Breeze, and Fandango are exceptional in the ring, you know? And I think that if they approach not necessarily the heel tactics, you know, especially being fashion police, it wouldn't suit them too well. But if, if, they, if they can find a way to bend the rules in their favor, then I think they will, they will continue to go far. And I would love to see them go far. So... Uh, it was great to see that much action in the ring. And that leads us to our final uh, point of the show today. A 10-man battle royal to determine the number one contender to Bray Wyatt's WWE Championship was almost decided this past Tuesday on SmackDown Live. Uh, a number of t- SmackDown Live's top competitors. I mean, some of the best competitors that uh, SmackDown Live has to offer. Dolph Ziggler, Luke Harper, Mojo Rawley, uh, AJ Styles, John Cena, uh, Baron Corbin, Dean Ambrose, and The Miz all going after that same number one contender spot. Uh, So much action happening in the ring. But more interesting to me than anything was the vignettes of the competitors talking about this match leading up to it. Um, And then the actual match itself ended in, in... alleged controversy and actually real controversy if you watch smackdown live this week daniel bryan confirmed definitively no camera angle caught the exact moment that those two superstars hit the floor it looks absolutely definitive that aj styles hit the floor first but as far as smackdown live is concerned as far as general manager daniel bryan is concerned there is no conclusive evidence to support that he therefore has to default to the referee's ruling are the referees working for someone else? Are they working for Triple H? What is happening? Is there some sort of subversiveness happening from the top down to make SmackDown Live look like a bunch of fools? Where do we stand after this 10-man battle royal going into next week seeing AJ Styles and Luke Harper pacing off? I'm almost excited that it ended the way that it did. I mean, I know there was a lot of uh, disdain amongst fans in the regards that, in, in the regard that there was controversy. It's going to 
be dragged out another week. We still don't know who's facing Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Randy Orton gave up the title shot. The Battle Royal ended in a draw. But as you had said, next week it's AJ Styles and Luke Harper for the first time ever one-on-one. I am thoroughly looking forward to that. I think that match could absolutely kill it. And AJ really has a decent chance of going on to Mania to get that gold back from a guy that he has never lost to one-on-one in Bray Wyatt. And he has yet to get his one-on-one rematch for that championship. And maybe this is his opportunity to do that by beating Luke Harper and then going on to WrestleMania to get that singles match against Bray Wyatt. I tell you what, this is the most I've ever seen Luke Harper argue for something that he wanted instead of just running over everybody and pummeling everybody and taking what he wanted. He was pacing around. He was visibly upset that this wasn't definitive. He put in an unbelievable effort to be that one of the last competitors standing in that ring. And in my opinion, got the better of AJ Styles, who who actually is starting on a trend of needing to pull off these victories in order to stay on the if he wants to be the champ that runs the camp, the face that runs the place, whatever he he wants to 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 moniker himself as, then he needs to be doing it better than John Cena every single time he steps into that ring if he wants to hold on to that claim over John Cena and get under his skin. So AJ Styles definitely needs a win, and and Bray Wyatt needs to be on the lookout for someone that knows him better than anyone, which is Luke Harper. Now, our last point that I want to make is Bray Wyatt came out at the very end of SmackDown Live this week, and with Randy Orton behind his back, I want to talk about specifically, who cares what Bray had to say? It was all in the eyes of the Viper. I don't know if anyone caught this or if anyone was paying attention or has seen Randy Orton in his career long enough to know these signs, but the Viper wasn't necessarily looking into the camera. He was longingly and uh, just kind of morbidly looking and staring into the void that is the WWE Championship on Bray Wyatt's shoulder. Graham, did you notice that? No, I did not notice that. Um, This is why I love you, brother, because you're picking up these things that I can't pick up myself. I did not even notice that. I was too wrapped up in the AJ Styles-Harper controversy. The the duality with Bray Wyatt is that the, the, the voice of Wyatt is up here, but what has been happening time and again to Wyatt around him? he's not paying attention to his surroundings and the people that he's considering part of his family. Now you have this snake that you've brought into your life. And eventually, just like Jake the Snake would, uh, would say to you, that snake's going to bite back. And I think we're going to see Randy Orton bite back sooner than later. And I think that Bray Wyatt will be poisoned going forward with that. So much to discuss. Graham, any final thoughts today? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure and a privilege to bring you this week's episode of WrestleRant Radio. Please be sure to follow us online at nextarawrestling.net. Graham, we'll be talking all things Fastlane next week as we head into and continue on the road to WrestleMania. You've been great. We've been WrestleRant Radio. We'll see you next week. Yeah.